Scripture reading this evening will be from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Deuteronomy 6, 1 and 2. Now this is the commandment, that these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Good evening and welcome again to our worship service. We are very grateful for your presence tonight. If you're visiting, as always, we invite you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you may have. We're going to be looking tonight at the sixth chapter of the book of Deuteronomy and thinking about the theme, staying faithful to the Lord. The goal of every one of us should be faithfulness to the Lord. Our ultimate desire is to live in such a way so that one day we might enjoy the blessings of heaven. You recall Jesus said, be faithful until death. The promise being the crown of life in Revelation chapter 2 at verse 10. And then also James said, blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he has been tried, he shall receive the the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. And so tonight we want to think about what is recorded in the sixth chapter of the book of Deuteronomy and contemplate the theme, staying faithful to the Lord. The first thing that I call your attention to has to do with Israel's possession of the land. God had made a promise many, many years earlier to Abraham that he would give unto him to his seed, a land that would flow with milk and honey. As a matter of fact, Moses speaks of the bounty of this land down in verse 10. He said it is a large and beautiful land. And I think about Canaan and all of the the benefits and the blessings that, that came with Israel's possession of this land. Moses, as you recall, did not lead the people of God into the promised land, but rather his successor, Joshua, was the one that ultimately led the children of Israel into the promised land. But as we look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and we think about their possession of the land, one of the things that God called upon them to do was to be a practitioner of the word. They were to take the law of God, the commands of God, very seriously. And at least three times, Moses will encourage the people of God that when they go in to possess this land, they are to observe all of the commandments of God. And so look, if you would, at verse 1. Now this is the commandment, or rather, this is the commandments, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord, your God, has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson all the days of your life, and that your days may be 
prolonged. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. And so the first thing that God wanted out of his people was obedience. If you and I are going to stay faithful to the Lord, then ultimately we're going to have to remain obedient to every command that he sets before us. I like what he says in verse 2, that they were to reverence the Lord their God and to keep all of his commands. You remember Jesus asked the question on one occasion, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Ultimately, what we believe and what we profess should harmonize with our practice. We ought to be the kind of people who are striving to consistently walk in the commands of Almighty God. God wanted His people in the long ago to observe, to honor, to revere His divine commandments. And so we think about how they were to be practitioners of the faith. But then also, note if you would, the provisions of the faith. And as we think about the provisions of the faith, drop down again and look at verse 2. If they honored the commands of God, if they remained faithful to Him, if they were obedient to what He said, then God promised their days, He said, would be prolonged. In other words, He says that your days may be prolonged and in verse 3, He writes, Therefore, Hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God has promised you. I think about the abundance, the overflow that comes to individuals who honor God's Word. Did you know that if you and I will simply strive to the best of our ability, to live in harmony with the will of God, that He will shower blessings upon us that are hard to imagine. In other words, you and I will be richly blessed. God promised these people on the long ago, if you'll do what I say, then I will richly bless you. I will prolong your days. You will multiply in the land. Is it not the case that all of us today that we want what's best in life? We want what's best for our children, for our grandchildren? We want, we want the blessings of God showering down upon us. Well, one of the ways that we enjoy the manifold blessings of God is by honoring His Word. And Moses here, on behalf of God, is saying, Listen, if you'll do what I say, then I will bless you. I will bless you abundantly. When Paul wrote to the saints in Ephesus, he talked about in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 that every spiritual blessing belongs to those who are in Christ Jesus. And you and I, as a result of our obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we enjoy this great host of spiritual blessings that are set forth in the Scriptures. Some of those spiritual blessings, pardon, 
from sin. In verse 7 of Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul said, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We enjoy peace with God, according to Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It is the peace that passes all understanding. We have the promise that God will never leave us nor forsake us, as the Hebrew writer reminds us in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. And I would remind you that when God called upon Joshua to lead the people into this promised land, this land that would ultimately flow with milk and honey, he told Joshua, I will never leave you nor forsake you. To know that God will abundantly bless us. And God abundantly blessed his people when they went into the promised land. Many of those promises, however, were conditional in nature. But then also note, if you would, the passion that they were to have in the faith. Drop down, if you would, and look at verse 4. In verse 4, Moses writes, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. That is, they were to take the Word of God and literally store it up in their heart. And they were to love the Lord their God with every fiber in their being. Jesus talked about in Matthew 22 how we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. He said this is the first and great commandment. If you and I want to, to prosper, spiritually speaking, and we want blessings immeasurable, then what we need to do is strive to grow in our love for God, to deepen our love and our commitment to Him. A couple of weeks ago we talked about a man by the name of Gaius. And when John wrote to Gaius in 3 John, he said, Beloved, I wish or pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. As we grow in our love for God, as we deepen in our commitment to His Word and to His ways, then ultimately we enjoy intrinsic blessings. I think one of the, one of the things that you and I would do well to remember is that the more time we spend in prayer to God, the more time we spend in the Word of God, the deeper our faith will be, the greater our love for the Lord will be. There are a lot of benefits and blessings to reading and studying the Bible. But if you want to know about God and you want to, to delve deeper into the mind of God, you've got to spend time in His book. The psalmist said in the long ago, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. So first of all, there was the possession of the land that Moses talks about. But then he talks about their profession in the land. And really what he's emphasizing here has to do with passing on their faith. Note, if you would, what Moses records Beginning in verse 7, he said, You shall teach, that is, the precepts of God, the law of God, you shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. 
In other words, you need to be instructing your children in the precepts of Almighty God. How important is it for us to pass on the faith to our children and grandchildren? Some of you may have run track in, in school. Maybe you're on the track team now. But one of the one of the typical events that takes place at a track meet is a relay race. And sometimes you'll have four legs of a relay of a relay race. And they will pass a baton. Well, that helps to illustrate what passing the faith is all about. We are handing off the faith to future generations. That's what we want to do. We want to honor the words of Paul when he said to bring up our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And thus, what is it we're trying to do? Educate our children. Teach our children. I'm grateful for the program that we have with our young people here at Olive Branch right now. And twice a month we meet on Sunday afternoons at 5 p.m. for the purpose of helping to lay a foundation in their lives, spiritually speaking. Now, in no way does this take, take the place of the teaching that is to be done in the home. As parents, we have the responsibility of passing the faith on to our children. But we as members of the church, we want to, to do our best to teach our young people. We want to lay a foundation for them so that they believe in the precious truths of Almighty God. There are a lot of forces at work in our society today. In some school systems, our young people are being taught that evolution is a fact. Many of the movies that are coming out today deny the existence of Almighty God. Some of the television programs are seeking to instill in our children that there is no God. And so we're trying to lay this foundation and say to them, yes, there is a God. And this God made the universe. This God made you in His image and in His likeness. This God has endowed you with the freedom to make choices in life. And what we want you to do is make wise choices. To be like the wise builder that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 7, as opposed to the foolish builder who heard the word of God and did not do it. So we're trying to lay this foundation. Let me just pause here and ask this question. Are, are you educating your children? Are you teaching them? And then secondly, are you leading them by way of example? Yes, we need to teach. Yes, we need to instruct. Yes, we need to educate. But we must also set before them the right kind of example. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Ultimately, Jesus is the standard by which we measure all things. We can read about Him in the Word of God and we can, we can note the great example that He has left for us to follow. But He is the one that we're trying to emulate. And what we're saying to our children is, listen, follow our lead. 
Walk in our footsteps because we're trying to walk in the footsteps of Christ. One of the problems that, that characterized the nation of Israel was unfaithfulness. And one of the reasons that they became unfaithful to Almighty God was that they failed to teach. They failed to instruct. In the book of Judges, we read of another generation that arose after the lifetime of Joshua and those elders that outlived him. And so the writer said, There arose another generation which knew not the Lord, nor yet the great works that he had done for Israel. How did that happen? Israel had been entrusted with the law of God. They had the precepts of God. They had this law. They were to instruct and teach their children in their homes when they would walk by the way. And yet, apparently, they had failed to do this. And because of that, great problems arose. And if you begin to read the book of Judges, you'll see that for a period of time they would be faithful to God, then they would become unfaithful, and so God would raise up an oppressor. And after a period of time, they would cry out for deliverance. And so God would then raise up a judge to deliver them. But over and over again, this cycle emerges in the book of Judges. Faithfulness and unfaithfulness. And so the idea is, teach, instruct, put your children, put in their hearts a knowledge and love for God. Set Set the tone in the home. And so this idea of passing on the faith. We think about their profession in the land, secondly, but then thirdly, note if you would, their progression in the land. We talked about their possession in the land, their profession in the land, but then their progression in the land. And Moses is going to, He's going to talk in very explicit terms about what's going to happen once they get into this land that flows with milk and honey. And what he's doing is putting them on guard. He's saying you need to be careful because there are some perilous days that await you. There were some dangers that they were facing that were looming before them as they were about to go into the promised land. Well, what were those dangers? Look at verse 10. In verse 10 he says, It shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he said to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a large and beautiful land which you did not build, or large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant, when you have eaten until you are full, then beware. Why? Lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So by way of danger, the first thing that Moses warns them about is forgetfulness in the land. And the idea is they would forget the Lord. Here God is described as a benevolent God, a God who has showered upon them all of these great blessings. 
Moses wrote in Exodus chapter 19, he reminded, or rather God reminded Moses, how he had borne them on eagle's wings and brought them unto himself. God had delivered them out of the bondage of Egypt, out of the oppressive hand of Pharaoh. They had crossed the Red Sea as if they were on dry land. Pharaoh and his army, they were destroyed. And so God's people had been delivered. And God is saying, I'm going to bring you into this great and bountiful land. However, when you get into this great and bountiful land, and when you begin to enjoy the fruit of the land and the prosperity of the land, you need to be careful. Why? Because you will forget me. What's the lesson? The lesson is this. Prosperity can ruin us. There's nothing wrong with prosperity. There's nothing wrong with money or materialism. That is, the material goods of life. God is the one that has showered upon us every good and perfect gift. God is the dispenser of all of our blessings. That's what James says in James chapter 1. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above. The problem is, however, when people become skewed in their perception of things eternal and things material in nature. Sometimes the, the material side of life can obscure our spiritual vision. We get to thinking that we've done it all on our own, that we don't need anybody, that we don't need the help of God. Have you ever heard somebody talk about, look what I've done, or look at what I own, or look at all of these great properties that I possess today. And let me tell you about how much money I have in the bank, and how many CDs I have, and on and on and on. Well, what Paul said was that we are stewards of the things we possess. And that which is required of a steward is that a man be found faithful. What God is saying to his, to his people, to His children, is this. You need to be careful. You're going to get over here in this beautiful land, in this land that flows with milk and honey, this land that is just overflowing with abundance, and you're going to forget about me. Look at our country today. Look at how blessed we are as a nation of people. We talk about illegal immigrants. And one of the reasons there are, are people who are migrating to this country is because this country for, for many, many years has been viewed as the land of opportunity. People want to come to this country because they see it as a land that flows with milk and honey. They're looking for that American dream. And I'm grateful to live in this country and I'm very thankful for all of the many blessings and favors that we have in this country. But is it the case that many people in our country because of the bounty and the abundance that we have enjoyed, the fat of the land if you please, we've forgotten about God. We've gotten too big for God. We've outgrown the idea of God. This idea of an almighty God, a sovereign ruler of the universe, that's old-fashioned. That's archaic. We're too sophisticated. We're too intellectual. Rather than teaching 
about a creator in our schools, what we need to do is spawn this theory of evolution. That's how we came into being. That life is not sacred. And on and on and on. But you look at our country. There was a day, I believe, in our, in our country when people, by and large, believed in God. And they believed in the God of the Bible. The God that we read about in this book. But is it the case? Is it possible that we in this nation have forgotten God? Years later, Jeremiah the prophet is going to come on the scene. And Jeremiah is going to talk to the children of Israel. And one of the problems that was characteristic of the people in his day, and they were about to go away into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And Jeremiah asked the question, can a bride forget her attire, a maid her ornaments? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number in chapter 2, verse 32. Is it possible that we have forgotten the Lord? That was one of the problems. But then a second problem that God set before the children of Israel. Don't you like to be forewarned? To be forewarned is to be forearmed. God is telling these people, listen, here's what you're going to face. When you come into this land that flows with milk and honey, here's what you need to expect. You need to be on guard because there's some dangers that are looming before you. Number one, you need to be on guard lest you forget the law. Forgetfulness in the land. But then secondly, the friendships that they would cultivate in the land. Turn over, if you would, to chapter 7. In chapter 7, Moses again talks about them entering into this promised land. And down in verse 3, he warns them, you shall nor shall you make marriages with them, that is, with these pagan nations. He writes, You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son. Why? For they will turn your son away from following me to serve other gods. God is saying, listen, when you come into this land, you are my holy nation. And what I want you to do is remain a distinctive nation, a holy people. And if you get out and begin to fraternize with these other nations, what are they going to do? They're going to lead you off into pagan idolatry. What's the lesson for us? If we develop unhealthy associations unhealthy alliances. Ultimately, it's going to lead to ungodly activities. That's exactly what Moses is warning them about. Moses is saying, listen, when you get over into this, this land that's flowing with milk and honey, when you begin to make marriages with these pagan nations, what are they going to do? They're going to lead you away from the one true living God. I can think of no 
greater danger that poses young and old alike than the danger of evil companionship. That's why we warn our young people, make sure you run with the right kind of people. That's why we encourage Christian fellowship. And let me just add this. That's why it's always, always safest to marry a Christian. Marry somebody who's trying to go to heaven. Who's trying to live like you're trying to live. Who has the same goals and aspirations that you have. The question was asked by Amos the prophet in the long ago. Can two walk together except they be agreed? If you're not on the same page, whether it be friendship or marriage, you're only asking for trouble. Now, I know that there are a lot of people who will say, well, I married a, a non-Christian. I was able to convert them. And, and there have been some success stories. But there have also been many, many horror stories. There are people today who are in denominations. There are people today who have left the Lord's church because they made unwise decisions about who they fellowshiped by way of friendship and ultimately by way of marriage. And so these were the dangers that, that loomed before the children of God. All right, very quickly, what were the deterrents? In other words, how then could they overcome these obstacles that they might face in the land? Well, here's what Moses said, beginning in verse 13. He said, number one, you need to reverence the Lord. He writes, you shall fear the Lord your God and serve Him and take oaths in his name. And the idea is just reverence the Lord. Fear him. Honor him. I, I said a moment ago, to be forewarned is to be forearmed. The beautiful thing about God is he's very transparent. There are no hidden agendas. God's not setting these people up to fail. God is saying, listen, if you want to be faithful and productive in this land, if you want to be blessed immeasurably, here's what you need to do. Reverence me. All right? You want to be faithful to the Lord? You want to live in such a way so that one day heaven will be your home? Then stay faithful to the Lord and remember to reverence Him each and every day you live upon this earth. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Look around in our society today. There are a lot of people that look at God and they lack reference. They, they fail to revere sacred things and spiritual things. What we need to do is, is make sure that our hearts are in tune with the Lord. When you begin to think about and, and reflect upon the greatness of God and all that God has done, the fact that He is our Creator, our Redeemer, our Sustainer, that alone is worthy. That alone should, should spawn within us reverence for Him. We should stand in awe of the Lord and of His Word. The psalmist said on one occasion, He stood in awe of the Word of God. 
The more you read the Word of God, the greater your reverence and respect will be for the Lord. So number one, they needed to reverence the Lord. And then secondly, they needed to remember the Lord. Down in verse 20, Moses writes that when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is the meaning of, meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and the Lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe, against Egypt, Pharaoh and all his household. Then he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land which he swore to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. What, what Moses is saying here is, you need to remember the Lord. There's going to come a day when your children are going to ask you, what's all this about? This will give you the opportunity to do what? To teach them, to instruct them, to put them in mind about the ways of God. You and I as parents and grandparents, we ought to look for opportunities to teach our children. We talked about laying a foundation, passing on the faith, professing our faith. Peter talks about sanctifying the Lord God in our heart and being ready to give an answer to every man that asks us of the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. When our children ask us sometime, or sometimes when they ask us, why, why is it that you, you eat bread on Sunday morning and, and drink grape juice. What, what's all that about? Well, it gives us the opportunity to talk about the Lord's Supper. We're bringing to mind the death of Christ, the body that was given on Calvary, the blood that was shed on the cross. When they ask us, why is it that I see you reading the Bible over and over again? Well, it gives us the opportunity to say we're trying to become more like Christ. We're studying the Bible because that's what the Lord wants us to do based on 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. Or why is it people are baptized into Christ? What's that, what's that all about? Well, it gives us the opportunity to teach. Many of us have heard the phrase from time to time, out of sight, out of mind. What you and I have to do is keep spiritual things on the front burner. And we need to do that in the home. The problem with the children of Israel is they didn't keep spiritual things on the front burner. And because of that, they faced great hardships, innumerable problems. And what I'm trying to say tonight is if you'll follow God's way, I promise you it is the best way. It is, it is the only way to enjoy true peace and happiness in this life. And that's what God was saying to the children of Israel. If you'll follow my way, if you'll, if you'll follow my lead, and you'll honor what I say, I'll bless you. Later in the book of Deuteronomy, God will say, but if you choose to ignore my commands, I will curse you. And so Moses said, choose life that you may live. Let us choose wisely. Let us do wisely. Let us stay faithful to the Lord. Let us be faithful till death. What about you today? Are you a Christian? Have you obeyed the gospel? Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Jesus said, except you believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins. John 8, 24. Do you believe that He is the Son of God? 
Would you be willing to repent of your sins, to be, to be immersed in water for the forgiveness of sins based on Acts 2 verse 38? What about your faithfulness to the Lord? Are you faithful to Him? I know it's easy to get discouraged, to give up, throw in the towel. It's easy to become blinded to what's really important in life. What God is saying is this, faithfulness is important to me. If you're here tonight and you're not faithful to the Lord, why not come home? Why not let us pray with you and for you and God will abundantly pardon, Hebrews 8, 12. Would you come as we stand and sing?